I think this is one of the most favorable landscapes for moving forward on the environment that I have seen in, in my time here. Welcome to NRCM's podcast. That was Pete Didesheim, our advocacy director, and I'm Carly Peruccio. If you're listening to this episode, it's December, there's snow on the ground, and believe it or not, election day was already about a month ago. This is the perfect time for us to assess the outcomes from November 6th and figure out what those outcomes actually mean for environmental policy in Maine in the years to come. In fact, things are already happening at the State House, and you heard from Pete that we at NRCM are optimistic about the years ahead. To learn more, Here's my conversation with Pete. So first things first, can you sort of deconstruct what actually happened on Election Day in Maine? There was a number of takeaways from this year's election. One is that there was tremendous voter turnout for what's called an off-year midterm election. So uh, about 65% of Maine voters, eligible voters, uh, turned out to the polls. Uh, So that's fantastic. Maine traditionally has a high number of people who who vote and participate in the process. So for those of you listening, thank you for voting. And if you didn't, be sure to next time. Also, another takeaway is there were lots of women who ran for office and many of them won. In fact, we have the largest number of women in the main state house ever. Uh, There are 60 Uh, legislators in the House who are women and 12 in the Senate. So that's 72. That's up from 64. There's actually more women in the Democratic caucus in the House than there are men. So lots of women ran and lots of those women won. And we, of course, elected uh, Maine's first female governor, which is quite exciting. So Janet Mills won the election. Her percentage of victory hasn't been seen in several years, from what I understand, in Maine, in that she received over 50% of the vote. What does that tell you? Well, I don't know entirely how to interpret it, but the fact is that she did win about 51% of the vote. uh, And she received more votes than any candidate for governor has ever received. So the total number was the largest, and the fact that she got over 50%, 51%, I don't believe that there has been any governor who has won their first uh, run for governor with more than 50% since 19, the mid-1960s. Governor Angus King did win re-election with 59%, but he had much less than that on his first round getting elected. What I do think this um, means is that uh, there's an opportunity for uh, the incoming governor to build bipartisan support around policy solutions to problems that have been neglected or are or challenging uh, areas for policy. She's coming in with strong support from lots of parts of the state. She didn't win an election just because of support along the coast. There's a huge swath in central Maine where she uh, had far more votes than than her Republican challenger. So we think this is excellent for the prospect of moving ahead in a bipartisan, nonpartisan way uh, to work on the people's business, uh, which is what the legislature has been elected to do. Democrats did well in this election. They took control of the Senate, the state Senate. They were down by one vote there. Now they control the Senate by seven votes. And they um, increased their majority in the House. They had a three-seat majority, and now they have a 32-seat majority, so a very substantial increase in their control in the, in the House. But it's not just about the Democrats. Many wonderfully conservation and environmentally-oriented Republicans won, uh, either won re-election or they're uh, coming to the first time. So we have a solid conservation majority. We feel very good 
about our prospects moving forward in this legislative session. Uh, the environment did well at the ballot box. There was a $30 million clean water bond that passed, and a number of towns, four towns, also passed ordinances to phase out or reduce the use of single-use plastics for plastic bags at shopping st uh, at stores and also styrofoam food containers. So those are some of the takeaways and generally from our perspective these are all really positive developments for those of us who who work uh, on legislation to help protect Maine's environment. So now the state house is blue but also pretty new. How many new legislators were elected this year? That's also a really important takeaway. There are 49 brand new legislators elected in the state house who have never served before. That's out of 151 uh, members of the House of Representatives. So about a third are totally brand new to the process and they will be um, going through orientation sessions and there are some fantastic new legislators we very much look forward to working with. And they are um, gonna have to learn a lot very fast about the process and about various policy proposals and what the history has been on those, those issues. But I can already tell from the ones that I've interacted with that they're so excited to be part of the legislature. And I think they'll be bringing a lot of energy and including uh, many who are very young. We've got some legislators in their 20s, which is quite exciting. So we've talked about the results. What happens next? So the show has begun. Uh, lawmakers are coming to town for their orientation sessions, the new ones. Uh, different caucuses have been uh, electing their leaders. They're now working on filling their committees, uh, and that's uh, a complicated process of figuring out which legislator should be on which committees and who the chairman should be uh, on the different committees. And so that process is underway. What is the significance of the appointment of committee chairs, and why are we paying attention to that? Well, the committee chairs make a lot of the key decisions about uh, about what the schedule is and what the bills are that the committee is gonna pay attention to, and uh, they provide the leadership of the committee the membership of each committee is also important, so the composition generally is important, and the committee chairs are, are the point people that are working with the leaders of the House and the Senate with the, with the Speaker and, and the majority staff and the Senate President and the majority staff. And so the, the chairs are extremely important in helping define uh, the highest priority bills that will be moving through the, the process. The most important thing that lawmakers are, are now focused on is pulling together their legislative proposals for the upcoming session. And there's a deadline uh, that's established. Right now that deadline is December 21st, and any lawmaker that wants to introduce a bill uh, for consideration this year or next year, well, 2019 or 2020, needs to introduce that bill, at least the title of it and a description of it, by December 21st. Committee chairs have a have a an oversized influence in in uh, affecting the outcome of those bills. Let's talk again about the Mills administration. Um, we're also paying attention to cabinet appointments. Why is that significant, and um, what are things that people listening should keep in mind as as we're learning more about who will be appointed to these key positions? Sure. So, a governor-elect. Janet Mills has put together a transition team, and the transition team has been tasked with the responsibility of identifying candidates who would be uh, strong members of her team, particularly the, uh, the cabinet members, and there's 13 or 15 
commissioners that she's going to be selecting and announcing. And it appears that that the transition team and Janet Mills are eager to announce almost all of those cabinet officers before she's sworn in on January 2nd. So they're moving very fast to try to identify good candidates, to interview them, to vet them, to uh, bring those candidates' names uh, up to uh, Governor-elect and make decisions and to announce those. So those individuals are the leaders of the key departments of state government. And it makes a tremendous difference who those people are. Uh, We have a keen interest in making sure that the individuals who are selected to head up Department of Environmental Protection and Department of Agriculture, Conservation and Forestry, also Department of Marine Resources and Inland Fish and Wildlife, have a strong conservation orientation and will help Maine return to a place of providing stewardship and balanced management of our environment uh, while also pushing for more clean energy and uh, additional progress in land conservation and protection of our clean air and clean water. And before we conclude, are there any reflections that you want to offer to listeners about from your position, having um, worked in the context of the LePage administration for the past eight years, what might be possible given this transition? Well, from my perspective, I've been here for 22 years. I think this is one of the most favorable landscapes for moving forward on the environment that I have seen in in my time here. And I say that because not only do we have a, a governor-elect who campaigned on protecting Maine's environment as a critical part of her highest priority policy agenda, uh, because she believes that that's an important part of a strategy for prosperity and protecting Maine um, and the identity and character and heritage of Maine. But we also have a really great bipartisan uh, composition of the Maine legislature. And I think that people are ready to work together to pass legislation that just hasn't been able to make it through the gauntlet of vetoes that Governor LePage uh, erected throughout his tenure. So. The outgoing governor vetoed 644 bills during his eight years. And to put that into perspective, that's more than all of the previous governors going back to 1917. You know, the Ottoman Empire was around in 1917. 644 bills. He was vetoing almost every bill that reached his desk, including ones that his agency supported. And that was extremely disruptive. Uh, The previous governor, Governor Baldacci, vetoed only five bills and Governor Angus King vetoed 51 bills during his eight years. So what I'm hoping for and what I think we can anticipate is that there won't be vetoes, that the normal procedure of of developing majority support for bills is is all that is necessary. And I think that the tone that the governor-elect is bringing and that I'm hearing from the leaders on both sides of the aisle moving forward is People want to get back to the process of working together to tackle some of the challenging issues that face the state. And some of those are very significant environmental issues. And so we're eager to engage with the new administration and the new legislature to get those things done. And let's conclude by offering some guidance or suggestions for anyone listening who wants to 
play a role in ensuring that this 129th legislature can promote policies that protect Maine's environment. What, what do you recommend? Um, again, thank you everybody for voting. That's important, but don't, uh, I don't, we don't want anybody to think that just voting is the, is the one thing that you do to, to help um, with the policy process in Maine. It's great when you develop a relationship with your elected representatives, and I encourage everybody who's listening to seek out your state representative and your state senator. Find their um, contact information online at the, at the legislature's website. Their phone number will be listed. You can call them and tell them your views on different issues. You can have coffee with them. You can develop a relationship with them so that they understand what your priorities are and what the priorities are of others in their community and believe it or not, they really do listen. I've seen this time and time again when lawmakers will make a decision based on a small handful of people in their district weighing in with emails and letters and face-to-face communications and phone calls in support of a, of a particular bill. Anything else? So it feels like a new day. It does feel like um, we're moving into a, a much more promising period. So stay tuned. We look forward to reporting on our progress, and we depend on you to be involved in that effort. So thanks. To learn more about the Natural Resources Council of Maine and our work, please visit our website at www.nrcm.org. You can also sign up for our Action Network to get updates from us about important bills at the State House and ways you can get involved in the legislative process. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. Thanks!